AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Dominique Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, big things that are usually small. You know that recurring dream you have when you're trying to sit on a normal-sized toilet, but uh uh-oh, it's huge! Or you're looking at a beautiful butterfly and suddenly it's the size of a kite! No? That just me? Anyways, we're going to check out some animals that you would typically think of as being small, but sometimes get super large and very hunky-chunky. From moths to snails to frogs and pollywogs, these animals will give you a huge surprise. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, could you carry a sea slug around in a baby Bjorn? Joining me today to talk about giant animals is regular-sized human comedian and science whiz, Pulavi Ganalan. Hi! I just felt so good when you called me regular-sized, like I'm supposed <laughs> to be the way I am. <laughs> You're just a, an, a human-sized. Correct. Know? And I'm I'm shaped the way I'm supposed to be. Right. I love you know? that. <laughs> I mean, like there's a great diversity of human shapes and stuff, but like, hey, we won. We're we're in some of those shapes. Exactly. <laughs> we're not like a a tiny rectangle. I wake up every day kind of happy that I didn't turn into a little rectangle. 
That's your Kafka nightmare is becoming a shape. (laughs) Becoming a shape. Yeah. Like, you know, if you turn into a giant cockroach, I think it's workable. You still have limbs. You still have eyes and sensory organs. If I turn into like a wake up and find I've just turned conceptually into a trapezoid, that would suck. I feel like it would be kind of fun, though. Imagine Mm. all the places you could fit, you know, like structurally, I guess. Flatlander situation though, because if I'm two dimensional, everything is lines to me, which actually might make things simpler. Every time I see that in like animated shows where things go 2D all of a sudden just because they wanted to feature a new animator, it's kind of fun. It's definitely scary. And how they usually uh, portray someone on drugs or something, but it's kind of (laughs) fun. Yeah, I guess it would be fun. You know, like if I was given the chance to experience the two dimensional lifestyle, I think I'd probably take the wizard turning people into two dimensional things up on it. Yeah, just like a little vacay into the 2D world, you know? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But 4D, I don't know. That That would get freaky. Yeah, I don't know. I'm down for anything. Hey, <laughs> I'll, I'll do any dimension once. Willoughby <laughs> is open-minded to four-dimensional fun. <laughs> Just a three-dimensional girl looking for, for some four-dimensional fun. <laughs> that sounds like a bad category on an internet a bad site. bad Craigslist ad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Missed connections, the four-dimensional trapezoid concept. <laughs> I'm going to name that for my memoir. (laughs) Well, today we are talking about dimensions. We're talking about animals who we typically think of as being small or medium-sized, but actually grow to be ridiculously big. And, like, I think it's there's something interesting because it's not like these are the biggest animals in the world, but when you think of a big animal, like a blue whale, it's like, oh yeah, like it's a skyscraper sized whale. Like I get it though. It's a blue whale. But when it's an animal that's like usually little and then it's suddenly really big, there's something almost more intimidating about that. It's like they are punching way above their, their belt. Like it, it's unsettling. Yeah. It is very unsettling because we're so used to seeing, especially with like creepy crawly things, at least the one thing about them is that they're small. So we can like feel like we have control over all of their little limbs and whatnot. But when they're big and and gross looking, that's some stuff out of like like a sci-fi novel, you know, like it's it's (laughs) it feels uncontrollable, um, but it's cool. It's kind of cool because usually Usually they're small and we just swat at them. And then now they're like, nah, we're getting, we're getting big. (laughs) Payback time. Yeah, exactly. Well, the first animal we are talking about is the Hercules moth, which is very aptly named. It is the biggest moth in the world. So it is found in Australia, of course, of course. Uh, And it's got a wingspan of over 10 inches or 27 centimeters. So almost a foot long wingspan, which, you know, when I think of a moth, I kind of think of the guys that like to flock around the lights outside or the ones that get in my closet and I've got to chase away from my clothes. I I don't think about something that could cover my entire face and then some. Oh, wow. When you put it on your face like that, that's scary. (laughs) Now I'm imagining you trying to breathe through a moth. Um, I, I can see that in a horror movie. I think you'd be very good at screaming with moth on your face in a horror movie. Thank 
Thank you. Side note, don't buy mothballs. They are just poison, and then you cannot find a way to get rid of them. I was recommended to buy mothballs one time in my master's program, and then it I just had, I just possessed poison, which yeah. is bad. <laughs> I did not know this. I did not what, know this. What you should do is actually cedar, because cedar is not, not that toxic to people, but it is unpleasant for moths. So if you use like, ce- like they have cedar strips or cedar blocks, but not the actual poison mothballs, like that's a lot better. And then it smells nice. Why smells like do the they bug. sell mothballs if they're cedar? Like, why is that a product that exists? They went too know. hard with mothballs <laughs> and they were like, let's kill off some human sized humans at the same time. Right, All right. Right. I don't yeah, know. I, I didn't. I I guess I wasn't thinking about the danger to humans with mothballs, but like I, I have a dog. And I'm like th- for sure she would eat a mothball immediately. That would be that'd be oh, in yeah. her stomach. Like bef- hardly before I get it out of the package, like she would immediately somehow get that in her, and we'd have to go to the vet. Like she knows she is so drawn to anything that can hurt her, and she puts it in her mouth immediately. Scissors drop on the floor for a second. I feel that way. I feel what you just said about your dog putting uh, stuff in her mouth that can hurt her. I feel that way about men. You know, that's me (laughs) with men. So I get it, little dog. The mothballs is men. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. I want to say anytime I see a big moth, though, that's, I think, the ultimate um, revenge story because we're so racist against moths and so <laughs> nice to butterflies like we right. this is this is discrimination it's rude and i'm glad they're big and covering our faces i mean they don't right. but they should be because we're being we're just so mean to them i always root for the underdog like my favorite bird is a pigeon <laughs> so, like, <laughs> i don't like when people just randomly d- assign like a liking to certain certain insects you know moths are chill like they're just hanging out why are we so mean to them yeah it's a popularity contest when it comes to animals often and so insects often get the short end of the stick and it it is unfair that like certain insects are like oh ladybugs and butterflies well they're the good ones even though like they're definitely butterflies that if you put in your mouth will kill you well, not kill you, you're, but hear that, you Katie's dog. <laughs> Do you hear She's that? Like, huh? She's like, I'll go I'm for a go butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because yeah, moths and butterflies are very, very similar, and they can actually, honestly, there are moths to me that are some of the most beautiful examples of lepidoptery in the world. They're, they're these vibrant colors and they're beautiful and they're like really fuzzy, fluffy, cute ones too. So I, I don't I don't get the moth hate. Like, sure, I mean like pantry moths are annoying. I don't like those and, and clothing moths are annoying. But when it's just a general thing of like, I don't like any moth because, you know, I'm weird and and hate cool things like moths. I just invented a person to be angry at. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, that you know. person exists. There, the many people hate hate moths. Right. Moths uh, teach us a lot of lessons, like uh, go into the light. That's one that right. we need to be ready to pr- enact at any right. moment. <laughs> right, <laughs> the end of our lives. Always be expressing pheromones. Like that's another one. That's another lesson. A B E P. Always yeah. be expressing pheromones. That's right. what they teach you in business school. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so so these moths are in addition to being huge, they're I think 
quite pretty. They, as adults, they have this brown coloration with these interesting white markings. Kind of looks like, I don't know, an interesting piece of pottery or something to me. Yeah. It's, it's really beautiful coloration. It does uh, look kind of ceramic. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a terracotta sort of design. Uh, and males have these long tails at the bottom of each wing that I think are quite pretty. Um, also making them look even larger, just ridiculously huge. Like you put this thing, I feel like I could wear this as a top, like it would cover my entire top side, which is both kind of cool, but also a little intimidating. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel, yeah, I feel like they, there would be a pretty, <laughs> moths would be a pretty top. Um, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. want to kill, like, I wouldn't want to wear dead moths around. Or wait, this is maybe, how Cruella Deville started, and I don't want to go I down. Maybe I would though, because like <laughs> we just said, <laughs> celebrate the moth, and now you're like murder it. Uh, if <laughs> for, okay for my clothes. <laughs> well, all right. Let me explain some more about this moth, and then we'll get to the cl- where I could potentially wear this moth as clothing and not have it be evil. Well, first of all, let's, let's talk about their life cycle. So, as caterpillars, they're really chunky as well. They grow up to be about five inches or 12 centimeters long, and they're this bright, beautiful blue with fleshy green spikes. Uh, It kind of looks to me like that leaked ghost prop for the new Ghostbusters movie. You know the one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The, like, blue ghost that's just a bunch of, like, wrinkles and folds. Yeah. It looks like that. Like, just this little... It's like, uh, you know, uh, Heimlich from... Uh, a bug's life, except blue That's and what with it spikes. Is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very wrinkly. It's like a Michelin Man in bug yes. form. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, love that. Love that sleep paralysis demon, Michelin Man in bug form. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a bunch of legs and spikes. Uh, but yeah, they are quite pretty, uh, in my opinion. Um, yeah. they actually spend most of their life as a caterpillar or as a cocoon. Uh, and a rather brief existence as an adult. So this is their main form. Like, this is most of their life is as this little chunky blue Michelin spiky man. Oh, dang. Yeah. So the caterpillar stage lasts for a couple of months, and they spend that time bulking up immensely at an incredible rate. Uh, And then they wrap themselves in a cocoon, and this period of development can take from several months to over a year, just hanging out in the cocoon, developing into this giant behemoth of a moth. So finally, when they emerge as adults, they have only about two weeks to mate and reproduce because they don't eat. They don't even have fully developed mouth parts, so they can't use their mouths. Then they use all of the stored energy from their caterpillar stage to go out, find someone to hook up with, lay eggs, and then die. And then that's it. Okay, that sounds like a weekend for me. Like, spend most <laughs> of it just, like, cocooned up and just preparing mentally to get out there. And then try to go, like, don't eat when I'm out there because I'm trying to save money or whatever. And then, you know, try to hook up with somebody and then die at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> the last part is still a risk. Yeah. Wow, what a life. What a life just trapped in a cocoon with your thoughts. <laughs> I guess that's why they bulk up, that they're just eating a lot in there to distract themselves, well, I guess. they're actually a goo inside of the the cocoon. So, like, the first stage when they're, they're a caterpillar, yeah. they're just constantly eating. That's their only job as the larva is to eat and eat and eat and hopefully not get eaten themselves. 
A Bug's Life did a great job of portraying that now that I think yes, about it. Yeah. Very accurate. The the part where like he just turns into a giant caterpillar with tiny wings doesn't generally happen. Yeah. There are some funny evolutionary instances of like, especially with phasmids, which are uh, stick bugs. Sometimes they have these little tiny vestigial wings that through evolution, they've lost the need to fly, but they still have these wings, both for sexual selection and for defensive posturing. But it does look very much like Heimlich, sort of like this giant stick bug. And then these tiny wings, they'll furiously flap at That's predators. super cute. That's adorable. But as far as I know, there are no butterflies that have that tiny wing phenomenon. Mm. It's a really great life, like 40% eating, 50% napping, and 10% boning. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? Yeah, I feel like that's like the average cat, right? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> well, depends, yeah. depends on whether they're fixed or not. But yeah. yeah, I mean, and in terms of like when they're in the cocoon, um, in during metamorphosis for butterflies and moths, like they literally sort of dematerialize they turn into a sort of goo protein goo that reforms uh into a butterfly the cells like turn into sort of these like stem cell type uh things that like will regenerate into a, a full-on butterfly and, or or moth and the brain seems to survive somewhat so like there's like a cluster of cells that was their brain because they retain memories from yeah that's what i was wondering like their mm -hmm. whatever not their consciousness but whatever their uh, their soul is, their soul <laughs> um is like so that's an afterlife for them basically is i like, mean yeah because of. like they do dissolve and it's and there has been research showing that when you expose a caterpillar to a nasty, a smell and then a nasty shock or something, they will retain the aversion to the smell as adults. So they clearly retain memories. So Why do they always have to be bad memories that we're testing? <laughs> Those <laughs> are the most like, effective. Here's ice cream that you might have liked before. <laughs> it's the most effective kind of memory know, because we, we remember bad things much better than we remember good things. So that's a, that's a good thing tip for yeah. humans like when you're thinking back on the day try to remember all the good things consciously so the remember afterlife the, good things. the afterlife is hell it's like what all the bad <laughs> stuff that we remember that's what i'm learning we, we turn into a goo and then we transform into and beautiful winged creatures that only remembers our worst nightmares <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly if if we were a moth so yeah so that is the hercules moth lifestyle so i feel like they they basically have two weeks to mate and then they die and then it's like look that's a pretty short life i i don't like i wouldn't mind so like, you're saying let's like, make it shorter <laughs> no i'm saying once they die i will wear them as a shirt like it's not me murdering them it's okay. me waiting like stalking in the them. wings <laughs> <laughs> for their wings i right. get it Right, right. Um, just it's stalking, like, seeing when they mate, and then seeing when they keel over and die, and then wearing them as clothes. That um, sounds like a wonderful scene in Psycho. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that's like, I mean, when they, when, why am I, why am I forgetting? The, like bug scientists what are they called again lepidopterists lepidopterists like when they put That's specifically the, little... the study of butterflies and moths yeah when they put the little um pins in them and where like you could just put those pins right into clothes right like where they sure. <laughs> hang up yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> just sew them right up yeah and so what's interesting about these beautiful markings that i would love to wear as the cruella de vil of moths is that they 
seemed to look a little bit like cryptic markings, but they're a little vague. Um, so to really see what these markings can accomplish, you have to take a look at another large moth in the same moth family, the Atlas moth, who has much more distinct markings that are similar to the Hercules mark moth, where you can really see like what these markings are supposed to be. So in the Hercules moth, it kind of looks like these sort of like white spots and then this vague, interesting pattern on the tips of their wings. But the Atlas moth has a lot more detail generally. It's a little smaller. It's the second biggest moth in terms of wing surface area though. So they're still big and fluttery. So they live in dry rainforests in Southeast Asia, South Asia, and East Asia. They are very similar looking in terms of their markings to the Hercules moth, uh, but it's just much in much like higher definition. So that allows us to kind of see what these markings are really meant to portray. <laughs> it's Wingspan is a little over nine inches or 24 centimeters. Meanwhile, its body is comically tiny. It's like this little tiny fat body, which is really, really small compared to its huge wings. And I find it hilarious. It's kind of like an, a reverse Heimlich character from Bugs Life where he's got the tiny wings and the big body. Yeah. It's got the huge wings and a tiny body. The wings are really interesting because the tips of the wings look like snakes to me. Yes. Like snakes with eyes. That's exactly what they're supposed to look like. And that's exactly right. They, Good job, little guy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's this is what I mean. Like with the Hercules moth, they actually have a somewhat similar pattern on their, their the tips of their wings, but it's a little bit less clear. With the Atlas moth, it is stunningly clear that these are supposed to be snakes. Like the level of detail is you can see an eye, you can see a like a snout, and you can see a mouth of mm -hmm. the snake. And they are shaped like a snake head. So the tips of their wings kind of jut out in this little oval area. And it, it, it looks like a pair of snake heads are growing out of the moth's wingtips. That's the level of detail and shape that you have to these snake heads. And indeed, these are used to ward off predators, mainly birds, because once they when they start to flutter and shake their wings a little bit, it looks like these two snake heads suddenly sprouted from this moth and are, are and are moving towards the bird and the bird like panics and runs away. This is yeah. like becoming more and more like a bug's life, isn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> They did good. They did a good job. Good yeah. job, A Bug's Life. <laughs> this podcast episode brought to you by, brought to you by A Pixar. Bug's Life. <laughs> Check out Pixar's new movie, Luca. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know what their new movie was. You're on top of this. Yeah. Well, I am paid by them. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> In A Bug's Life, they make a fake bird to scare off the grasshoppers. And oh, yeah. In this case, it's a fake snake to scare off birds. Uh, it's interesting. They're somewhat distant-ish cousins to the Hercules moth. Their life cycle is somewhat similar. Their adult forms, like the Hercules moth, also don't really have mouth parts, and they don't eat uh, like the Hercules moth and live only a few days. Uh, because they're smaller, they probably can't live as long because they don't store as much energy. So basically, the bigger you are, the slower your metabolism, the more stored energy you have, uh, the less frequently you'll need to eat, even though... If you are 
um, a big animal and you want to live past a couple of weeks, you will need to eat and you'll need to eat great quantities, but your metabolism is shorter. So it's, or your metabolism is slower than a tiny animal that needs to like eat constantly small amounts uh, to maintain its energy levels. So with this moth, it makes sense that it would live a bit less longer than the Hercules moth because it, it just, it doesn't eat and then it just dies. It's like, you know, I, I did all my eating when I was this, a chunky little caterpillar. This is like my mom's worst nightmare. It's just like, <laughs> you're not eating. <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> this is what happens to you. This is what happens when you when you have sex and you don't eat. Yeah, exactly. My mom's like, this is a mo- this is a moth on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it is it is so interesting because in addition to its wingtips looking exactly like snakes, they definitely put on a really good performance. So when they're threatened, they'll drop to the ground and start to flutter its wings. So it looks like the snakeheads are writhing around and it, it really puts on a Daniel Day-Lewis oh. Oscar winning performance. Uh, really annoying on set, demanding everyone calls it a snake and... You know, like... But worth it, huh? Worth it. <laughs> Final product, worth it. Um, exactly. That explains a lot because in so many, like, movies and things, you see not necessarily moths, but, like, butterflies or something landing, and they flutter their wings a lot, and that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Insects used to get even bigger back in prehistoric times. Dragonflies, known as griffinflies in the late Permian period, 275 million years ago, had a wingspan of over 2.5 feet, 75 centimeters, and weighed over a pound, or 450 grams, and were basically the size of crows. Why could insects get so huge back then? One theory is the higher oxygen content on Earth at the time allowed for greater invertebrate growth due to the way they breathe with numerous porous respiratory openings over their body. A larger surface area would require a higher concentration of oxygen in order to effectively diffuse the oxygen throughout their large bodies. Another compatible theory is that as soon as birds evolved, they basically ruined large insects' chance of survival. Even if there was enough oxygen to sustain the insects' bodies, bigger insects would be less quick and nimble than smaller insects and would be easy prey for the dinosaurs that had just discovered the power of flight. When we return, things are about to get really slimy with some giant gastropods. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. 
Transform your life, transform the world. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One of the largest animals in the world is actually a distant relative of the common garden snails. The colossal squid, which reaches a length of over 30 feet or 10 meters and can weigh over 1,000 pounds or 500 kilograms, is a member of the mollusk phylum. Mollusks includes everything from clams to octopuses and squids to terrestrial snails and slugs. Cephalopods, the class that includes squids, octopuses, cuttlefish, and nautiluses, may be the most cognitively advanced of the mollusks, but when it comes to size, there are other mollusks who can get surprisingly large. So, do you like snails, Polovi? I empathize with snails a lot. Like, I don't like when people squish them. Mm-hmm. I want to, like, protect them because they're so slow, you know? Right. Um, I like when people leave them alone. I don't like when people move them, mm. you know? Um, I, I have- do sometimes move them, like, if they're in a walkway. Yeah, like in the rain, to protect like, them. Yeah, to protect but them, sometimes right. I, when I was younger, I accidentally moved them, and that like wasn't good for them. Like they were, right. like they were clearly distressed. <laughs> but right, like, like if they're if they're sometimes they adhere to a surface, yeah. and like they're sort of stuck there, and you try to unglue them, and it's just like bad for their little body. Yeah, that's how I think that's happened. Uh, I, yeah. I remember that in my memory. But I was yeah. trying to help, little guy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But if they're like crawling along the. Uh, ground especially like in in the rain which is when they typically cross like paths and stuff like it's it's okay if you want to like just pick it up real quick and put it uh into the grass um, yeah or the side uh as long as it's a common garden snail don't do that with just any like snail like animal you find that is unidentified because like some of them cannot be not be too friendly um like if you're on a beach and you see like something that looks like a big uh snail or a big like cone like shell don't pick it up because they can actually have uh toxic barbs they can shoot at you so so yeah don't pick up a giant toxic barb sounds like someone who works at michael's (laughs) (laughs) oh barb always making my mondays that much worse but yeah (laughs) but In terms of terrestrial snails, there are some that can get alarmingly big. So the giant African land snail looks like basically a typical garden snail with maybe a pointier shell, but it's huge. So they're found around coastal West Africa and their shells grow to be over 7 inches or 18 centimeters long and 3.5 inches or 9 centimeters in diameter. 
And so the meaty part of the snail is a lot more squishy and stretchy, but basically it can cover your entire hand. Like if you hold one of these, like it's it's the foot, which is like the flat part of the snail, can stretch out and just drape over your whole hand, which... I know. Uh, I'm looking at these pictures. I'm like, this is a cat. I don't know <laughs> what you think this is, but it's a cat to me. It's so cute. It's yeah. just like perched there. I want to get it a little collar. That's probably <laughs> bad, a bad instinct of mine. Why do we yeah. have to domesticate everything? Leave the snail alone, Pallavi. But it's like, so it, with its little paw... <laughs> I know. Draped over her Well, thumb. it doesn't technically have feet, but I because know. its foot is so big, it has these folds. And so in this picture, which I'll have in the show notes, it's just posed. It's so photogenic, too, because it's got its little a fold of its foot just draped over her hand. And it's like looking mugging for the camera and it's got its little tentacles all pointed up. It looks like a it's like it's very rabbit like. I was I gonna guess. say that. I was just gonna say that the mouth, the nose area, looks like a rabbit because right. of how it's shaped. That little, right. those little semicircles. It's a sweet baby that I want to hold. I mean, I sh- like look. I when I discovered these things, I was like, I want one as a pet. Uh, it is a bad idea, obviously. Like the any time, it's like, oh, there's this amazing animal that I'd love to hug and squeeze and have like, as a pet. Leave it's it alone. Like- <laughs> <laughs> leave it alone, people. Let it survive. <laughs> well, actually, in this case, it's not because the to s- preserve the giant African land snail, but because they are so good at being alive and eating that they can easily become super invasive species and destroy vegetation uh, in native plants in the area that they are introduced. So oh. you don't actually have to worry too much about them. They are just so voracious they will eat and eat and eat and um so they have actually become a problem even that's cute you know what i mean like <laughs> i want to see one right? of these little guys munching mm-hmm. i know munching and crunching destroying entire crops and native <laughs> species of plants <laughs> ruining the ecosystem yeah that's this why is... that's why we think they're cute they're just like us they're they, just exactly. destro- destructive just behavior like people it thinks it's people it thinks it's people <laughs> But yeah, I mean that this makes them highly illicit in many countries uh, and like illegal to own as a pet. Um, I mean, in Florida, I think they're already becoming an invasive species. So I know, like again, like I can predict people's response to this. Like I know my listeners. You look at this, you're like, I want it as a pet. I want it now. I want one too. Like I, you know, I looked into this. It's like, wait, could I have this as a pet? No. The answer is no. But don't feel bad for want like don't feel bad for wanting to hug an animal. Like I, I think it's like it's a natural response to something cool or cute. I mean, if you don't find snails cute, I don't know how to relate to you. But uh, <laughs> you know, like if you when you see something, you're like, that's cute. I want to hug it and keep it as a pet. Like I think that's a totally normal human response. It's just, and I'm not like guilt tripping everyone for feeling that. It's just like. You know, it's it's good to make note of. It's like, yeah, it's just it's too bad, but we can't we can't do that because you know, they will eat all of our crops and leave us to starve. <laughs> Man, this is like um, when after Beverly Hills Chihuahua, everybody bought a Chihuahua. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that with this episode, <laughs> don't please. Do that. Beverly no, Hills giant no. snail, <laughs> giant moths, <laughs> just everywhere. Somewhere, uh, some cr- farmer is like. Katie Golden <laughs> just shaking his fist in the sky. <laughs> just just a huge army of snails with like cute little collars on them escaped. 
<laughs> the little bows on their tentacles. <laughs> um, yeah, but they can also be carriers of rat lungworm, which is a parasitic nematode uh, who uses the giant snails as a host. So you don't want to put one of these things in your mouth raw because uh, that can cause meningitis. I mean, Again, I feel like back to the men that I've dated. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is one of those like warning labels they put on knives or something where it's like, don't put in your body like don't don't yeah. put this snail in your mouth. Although there was a case, I think this was not with a giant snail, but with a um, banana slug. Someone like on a dare, like ate a banana slug and got rat lungworm and oh got my meningitis. God. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't just don't, don't do that. Don't put animals in your mouth, right? Yeah. Like especially raw animals that you just find that are alive. Don't put them especially in Especially giant ones. Like that's right. I feel like that's I feel like that's uh embarrassing. <laughs> like <laughs> like for the snail, you know what I mean? Like right. that snail looked dignified like, really? and now you're just putting your mouth on it. Right, like really, dude. Like, I, like millions of years of evolution to get to this size, so birds don't uh, eat me, and you're and just then like you're just putting like, me oh. in your mouth on a bed. <laughs> like, like, come on, man. Don't be rude. like Homer Simpson in a donut with these snails. That's exactly what I was picturing. There have been specimens that have been found who are almost a foot long, so they they can be just quite hefty. You you'd feel it's like to be able to feel the heft of a giant snail is something to think about you know what i mean yeah like you you hold it in your arms you feel the heft of this snail and it looks up at you longingly and then eats all your crops and we all die the dream <laughs> the dream but this is not the only big chunky mollusk we're gonna talk about uh so to get to one of the biggest slugs in the world we actually have to look at marine slugs or sea hares so sea hares are found within the same clade as terrestrial snails and slugs, heterobranchia, and they bear a very close resemblance to their land slug counterparts. So sea slug is often used to refer to other types of sea animals informally, like sea cucumbers. But sea cucumbers aren't actually gastropods or related to terrestrial slugs, so for clarity, I'm specifying sea hares, but nudibranchs and other groups of marine gastropods are also members of heterobranchia. So the colorful little nudibranchs that you see, um, there are other types of like sea slugs that really are uh, truly sea slugs. Um, but some some things that we call sea slugs are something like a sea cucumber, and it's just like it's sort of a misnomer. This is um, like. Oh, this is is this a squares rectangle situation where <laughs> where <laughs> squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are square or not rectangles aren't squares. I mean, this is confusing to me because I just like woke up this morning and turned into a trapezoid, and so like I'm not oh. like square. Like, what do you mean right angles? I don't get it. Okay, um, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, um, no, I think it's more just of a mis a misnomer, like, um. Sea cucumbers are not really slugs in any sense of the word. Like, they are not related to slugs. They're not uh, in heterobranchia. They're not even, um, they're not even gastropods. So, uh, wow, I don't even harsh, know what, harsh words know. coming you're from you. You're not even a gastropod. gastropod. So like, <laughs> you don't even go here. <laughs> um, you're not even a gastropod. So, like, don't even think about sitting here. This is like a ta <laughs> the table for gastropods. Remember that in high school when all the gastropods are super clicky? 
so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely barb. felt like a sea cucumber. <laughs> Real toxic barb. <laughs> so sea hares typically grow quite a bit larger than their terrestrial counterparts of uh, land snails and slugs. So the giant sea hare is just incredibly mind-bogglingly big. Uh, so the black sea hare is the largest sea hare there is and the largest sort of slug-type animal in the world. They are found in the Pacific Ocean and coastal California. They can grow to be almost 40 inches long, 100 centimeters, and weigh over 30 pounds. What? 14 kilograms. No way. Yes. So what? bigger this than a newborn like, baby. This is over three times the size of my dog. Yes. That's it would wild. like, it could just eat your dog. It, it won't eat your dog, but it could. I think it, they'd get along. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it looks, so when you take it out of the water, it kind of like puddles down because, you know, there's like the, the gravity of it's like. like not, a, like mean, Alex Mack. Uh, right, right. <laughs> that's a throwback <laughs> reference. It's kind of spilling over, you know. Right, exactly. And it's this sort of like inky black um, with like, quote unquote, bunny ears. So these are actually rhinophores, which are sea hair sensory organs. Um, And so I think they're cute uh, and probably very slimy. They only live about a year, which is incredible given their size, because that means they consume just ridiculous amounts of algae and grow ridiculously fast to reach that size and because they grow to be so big and, and because they actually produce a skin toxin, as adults, they really don't have that many natural predators. So they're these adorable, toxic, slimy, 30-pound balls of fun that I want to carry around in Baby Bjorn and call a little, little slimy. I want to be them. Like, what, you get to live fast, die young, eat whatever you want, not get <laughs> touched by anybody? Give it to me. Mm-hmm. If I could redo life, <laughs> it would be as a sea hare, but not one that uh, we're messing with. I I want right. to just be left alone, right? To be my be my slightly denser puddle in a large puddle of the ocean. <laughs> I feel like these are some really inspirational animals. This episode, like eat, nap, and I think, ha- you know, I think, mate, and, t- and then die, or just eat constantly. I think- I think this is saying a lot more about us and our depression during quarantine than anything else. <laughs> Every animal, we're like, yeah, just to not be sentient would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to be a, a black puddle in a bigger black st- depth of the ocean. We started yes. out trying to be shapes. So where else could we go from there? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm proud. Look, I think it's a accomplishment, right, to be human shaped right now instead of just like congeal into like a puddle on the ground. It, it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm just existing right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the sea hair stuff, that sounds like uh, sounds like next level. It does look a little bit like a squished flubber. I'm noticing. Mm, oh, yeah. Noticing I remember now. flubbers. Yeah. 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 Like one of those. It looks like it definitely dudes. looks like a depressed flubber, like <laughs> like goth flubber <laughs> is what I think it is. Put me back in the water. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I bet it sounds you... like, like Niles Crane and we're just being terrified. 
<laughs> we're being terrible. I'm not good at social situations. Please. I like that. I like that one better. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my dapper little mustache, which is really just part of my folded foot out in front and I look very fancy and please put me back mm. I do not belong here yeah I, I like I like fancy uh fancy sea hair yeah they do if you look for a lot a lot of different like species of sea hairs they're they are quite fancy and a lot of frippery and stuff they they have they can be really colorful have a lot of cool folds and stuff uh, yeah I, I like the idea of them being the the fancy boys and gals of the ocean yeah, little bow ties. God damn. Yeah. We're just add, we're just anthropomorphizing all of the, or monstrification. What is it? I don't know. I don't know what it would be in this case. Yeah. <laughs> in the move from sea to land, snails had some extra slimy adaptations. Their bodies were originally meant for aquatic environments, so moisture loss was not a factor, and they would typically breathe using gills. Most land snails, however, have evolved a lung and can take in air through a respiratory pore called a pneumostome. They need a thick layer of mucus to prevent moisture loss, critical for the health of its tissues and for gas exchange to occur in its lung. They also make good use of the operculum, a little trap door on their shells that their marine counterparts evolved for self-defense but terrestrial snails can also use to prevent moisture loss. Still, snails prefer moist, damp environments, so they don't end up as accidental escargot. When we return, we're gonna go from one slimy critter to another with some ridiculously massive frogs. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 
314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Frogs, they're hippity and hoppity or crawly or swimmy and they come in green, brown, blue, yellow and sizes big and small. The smallest frog in the world is an adorable microhylid species. Microhylid frogs, as you may remember from previous episodes, are teeny tiny frogs. Some species even develop symbiotic relationships with tarantulas. The tarantulas protect the frogs like little pets in exchange for the frogs protecting the tarantula eggs from ant invasions. The smallest known frog, Patophryna amalensis from Papua New Guinea, can fit on the face of a quarter. From snout to vent, aka nose to butt, it only grows to be about three-tenths of an inch, or 7.7 millimeters. Adorable! Now, let's talk about a frog who can grow to be about the size of a small chihuahua! So we've talked about small frogs, let's talk about big frogs. (laughs) This, uh... This concerns me now because uh, <laughs> because they're big. So the things we've talked about thus far, I guess the moths are a little bit scary, but they're flying. I can get away from them. I feel like they're slower. Right. Uh, frogs jump like very fast. Right. The snails, mm. the slugs, they weren't going anywhere. The, right. the the hairs. Right. The the this frog. I feel like the reason that frogs this could alarm me is because they're very slow and then very fast. I want to take a frog to the face. You know yeah, what I mean? like it could suddenly jump and just smack you right in the face. Uh, I think the other thing that's interesting is that, like, you know how we have certain stereotypes for animals? I feel like with frogs, I feel like they're kind of, like, like mystic and intelligent, or we, mm. like, assign that to them. <laughs> or, like, frogs are toads, I guess, like, in general, um, in right. like, cartoons and stuff. But I, I guess also, like, there's the Budweiser ones. But I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they might... Just have too much information to hold for me. It's overwhelming. Right. You know, you feel like, like this they is... might. You don't think a slug is going to plan anything, but you're worried about a frog with a plan. No, it's more like um, like I'm a af- like I'm afraid I'm going to talk to a frog that will see my future. You know what oh, I mean? I see. And like the I bigger see. the frog is, the like the more intimidating it is to me. You sort know? of a hypnotoad situation where you look into its eyes and like you you see the fourth dimension and then your brain melts. And then I am the fourth dimension oh, and no. look at where we are now. <laughs> uh, and you can't even find in and out in the fourth dimension. That's only in California. God damn. <laughs> so uh, the Goliath frog, which is very aptly named because it's a pretty big frog. It's the largest living frog in the world. It is an endangered species with a relatively small range in Equatorial Guinea and Cameroon. So they live in sandy-bottomed rivers, and they grow up to be 13 inches or 32 centimeters long from nose to butt and weigh over 7 pounds or over 3 kilograms. So, you know, it's like, I feel like even though these are technically smaller than the uh, Black Sea Hare, it's still more intimidating. Because they got legs, man. Yeah, they have legs. It's the legs. It's the big, muscular, meaty it's... legs. They did not skip leg day or arm day, and they just, like, look swole. It's the the sea hairs look like, you know that image of, like, the animal creature forming legs and coming out of the the primordial goop type thing? Ah, that, right, right. That's, like, the first, the sea hairs, like, the first half. Frog's like the second half where it has legs. It's one of us. It's like a person, but it's a frog. You know right. what I mean? Like I don't think evolution 
did that specifically. It did not work that way. Sea hair to frog. But it did in the cartoon that everyone references. So it looks like that. It's like now it's not just this like um, amorphous, wishy thing. It's uh, it's like a it's got us qualities. You know, it's taking it's taking a definitive form. It's like Odo going from goo to Odo in Star Trek. Uh, which one was that? I did not watch any of that. Well, <laughs> you're was, on your own. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn it. Uh, you know, Deep Space, no, not Deep Space, uh, Star Trek. Battlestar Star Trek. Star Trek, the one where we're not on, we're on a, like, the space station. Star, Star Trek, Trek the one, Generation Zoomer. What? <laughs> so these frogs are brownish olive color with a yellowish stomach. Uh, they can live up to about 15 years old in the wild or over 20 years in captivity. So you could keep one of these. At, I mean, don't, but you don't. Could, like, don't do this. But, uh, you know, like they they would be if if you are like a witch living in their natural habitat and you have like a little hut in the woods and you like you have one of these as like a familiar, it's going to have the same lifespan as like a cat or a dog. Wow. Yeah. I'm looking at all these pictures of people holding them and they look so uncomfortable. Like they're stretching them out. They're just like displaying them. And I'm like, right. this this guy, first of all, it's freaky deaky because the legs are so long. Like they're the jawline is like very like thick and broad. And yeah. then the body is there. And then the like the, <laughs> the back legs are like people legs. It's like they could like they feel like they could walk upright when they're like splayed out like that. It's like <laughs> creepy, yeah. man. It yeah, does not feel like the way they're holding them. I'm like, this can't be good for you. Like, you're going to no. get cursed. You're going to get they, cursed, little little kids. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to, yeah, you're going to get hexed by, or just punched. Like, they don't even need to curse them. They could just, like, punch them with their big, strong legs and forelegs. Yeah. Uh, they kind of have a Dave Batista vibe to me. Like, the general shape. You know, he was, like, the, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Yeah. Wow, that's, that's so funny. Okay, I can see it because he's got like long legs and like a thick torso. Right, right. It's like a fit dude, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, no insult to Dave Batista because like I think episode these brought cool. to you by Dave Batista. <laughs> <laughs> so they are predators, which is cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, they, as adults, will prey upon a large variety of small critters from insects to smaller frogs, crustaceans, baby turtles, and snakes, and rodents. In one instance, a bat was found in a Goliath frog's stomach, which just must have been, like, can you imagine that one, like, I guess until it got caught and, like, someone was poking around in its stomach, that was, like, a bragging rights day, and no no other frog probably believed it. It's like, I caught a flying mouse, and they're like, okay, sure, sure, John, like, whatever. This is like a, this is like the uh, Batman villain origin story. Like, <laughs> it's like, I, I fought the bat and I won. <laughs> the Joker is just a Goliath frog. I mean, it's got the same similar. It, it's a it's interesting color palette, you know. <laughs> we live in a we live in a society, says this frog. Um, <laughs> so why do they get so big? Uh, it's actually because they're great parents. Uh, they like to do home projects. So males construct nests for their offspring, and females guard the nests. 
So these nests are basically private ponds that they construct for their offspring, either by digging a ditch near a pool and then blocking it off from the rest of the pool with large rocks, or by creating a dam in a larger pool with rocks, creating a private area. So it's, you know, it's like a National Lampoon uh, Christmas vacation where like the whole plot is about he wants a pool for his family. Except in this scenario, he's super buff and the the wife is also super buff and the wife like hunts down the guy who's going to deny them their pool and punches them in the face. That's the version that I decided to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's a better version, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that like all they're trying to do is protect their family and we're just like yanking them out and taking pictures of them. <laughs> we're, like, I mean... That's basically the story for any picture of someone holding up an animal. I know. I don't know why I'm so affected by this one in particular. I'm like, I feel like it's just like them trying to like with their little legs like dangling and right. just trying to like grasp at anything. Yeah, I just feel it's so the, bad. It's that they're not meant to be held up in this position. It's kind of like when you like hold a cat up by the scruff of its yeah, neck, but it's like an it adult. Is. And you really yeah. need to support the rest of its body because it's like too, like it's really only good for kittens like to hold it by the scruff of its neck. But like when someone holds an adult by the scruff of its neck and they're not like supporting its butt, it's like it just looks uncomfortable. Like you're you're squishing it. No, yeah. don't. It's too hefty. Don't do that. <laughs> but to be able to construct a pond by excavation and lifting rocks, they literally have to be buff. They the they need these big froggy muscles. That's why it looks like Dave Batista. Like they, they have these strong arms and strong. They're not really arms, but like strong forelimbs and strong hind limbs to be able to dig and lift rocks and make these constructions. And females also need to be pretty buff because they're the guards. They are going to aggressively defend this pool, this private pool for their offspring from any toxic barbs who come around and like wants to like, oh, can I just like pop over and use your pool for a minute? It's like, no, my kids are using this pool and then they fight with their yeah. big muscles. I'm looking forward to motherhood, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I would love a WWE style like Housewives of Orange County. It's just like they're all super buff. And they solve all their problems with choreographed WWE style wrestling. Yeah, that sounds super fun, actually. I right. feel like that's what that's what they were trying to make glow the TV yeah. show <laughs> to me. <laughs> I They're mean, giving it a little bit of a backstory, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is essentially, but I mean, in real life, like real, like real ladies with real problems, but then they work it out in, in the ring. You know what I mean? Do you, like, Katie, do you, do you think wrestling is real? Uh, what do you mean? It's not real. No, what no, 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 no. You're about? right. Let's move on. Look at these guys. The Undertaker really <laughs> does care about his family. Doesn't I'm he? sure he does. I'm sure he does. <laughs> he really did need to get revenge on Screwdriver Man. I don't actually want to. <laughs> um, uh, guess how big the tadpoles are for these massive frogs? I don't know what that looks like. I don't like. Like okay, don't inches? don't look at don't look th at the images. Just okay. Guess. Wait. So you said so. Describe how big the frog is again. Um. The by the way, just for your information, those images are misleading. So don't go by those. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. The frog. The frog grows to be up to about thirteen inches or thirty-two centimeters long, and they weigh over seven pounds or three kilograms. 
I don't know what ratio I'm coming up with, but I'll say like then five or six inches is what I would expect mm. a tadpole to be. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Drum roll. They're just regular tadpole size. What? <laughs> they're like little. Yeah, they're they only grow to be about like you know an inch long, maybe. Um, and because this these is images so are misleading. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you. I know. I know. Because after being a tadpole, they grow into a froglet, so a little tiny frog, and mm. that froglet then just grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it becomes the biggest frog in the world. So tadpole size doesn't necessarily mean like it can indicate it's going to be a bigger, bigger frog, but it really just depends on what its development is like. So some frogs like develop much bigger tadpoles and invest a lot of their bulk developing during the tadpole stage. Some frogs go from being a tadpole to being a froglet relatively quickly. And most of the bulking up happens with the froglet. Uh, Some some of them literally shrink, so they go from being a larger tadpole to being a smaller adult frog, because they're that's, like losing no, their tail. That yeah. seems that seems bad. That seems not allowed. I feel yeah, like that's paradox. The rule. I think it's called paradoxical frogs. That sounds like something from the Hitchhiker's Guide. I just don't believe it. <laughs> also, this is like um, this is like the the teacup pig problem where people were kept trying to buy tiny pigs and then they just turned into big big pigs. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's because they were babies. Yeah, like, I know, the, but people thought they were like bred to be tiny little baby right. pigs forever. No, and then yeah, the micro pigs can they'll they're still small adults, but they don't remain cute little piglets forever. So you have to be prepared for like a big fat hefty like adult uh i think they're big they're like a yeah i think they're like a pot belly pig that's been bred to be smaller but yeah like as adults they get big and hairy and round and and cool like i mean i still and who doesn't who amongst us doesn't as adults i mean i feel like i've gotten bigger and hairier just within the past four hours so like (laughs) i'm seeing it before my eyes (laughs) People have to chill out about this. This is like, I mean, with every animal, we're trying to just make it be like cute and small forever. And it's like, just let animals be animals. You know what I mean? Just let them be. Yeah. Let let this like giant muscular frog go around talking about protein shakes. It's all right. Don't pick them up. I have gotten, this is a side note, but I've gotten very against like breeding of almost any kind where yeah. I'm like, even now with like fish and like hamsters, I'm like, why why are we doing this thing with animals where we're like, are you not entertained? Like, don't we have enough books to read? Like, why do we right. have to breed every animal? Like, develop, play the piano. Like, learn learn something. Don't just get a pet, a bred pet. There's other animals that need to be saved. Get, get a little weird mutt from the rescue. Don't oh, man. breed things into existence yeah. that don't need to be alive, mom and dad, okay? <laughs> Just for your own entertainment and comfort. All right. This is the new thing. Every I have friends with like hamsters and I just smile and nod because I'm just like, I don't see why do you need why do you need that? You know what right. I mean? It's just no. weird. To, it started to yeah. become weird to me. It's just very weird to me. The whole thing is weird to me. Just yeah, uh, like save an animal. Stop doing things for your entertainment and go like donate to a local charity. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm sick of this whole thing. <laughs> I love this rant. I I actually Thank really you. I really agree. Uh, especially I know this is a tangent, but really quickly, like uh, with with breeding animals, it's like it really should be about the 
like especially with dogs like it should be about the health and emotional health of the dogs like i, I don't need a dog that has an extra pair of eyes on its butt like you know it's well it's now fine. that you're saying it no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> speaking of extra pair of eyes on its butt this frog no i'm kidding <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah. no i definitely feel that way too but somehow back to tadpoles uh, <laughs> I shared with you this picture of this absolutely massive tadpole and like probably you thought like, oh, this is probably the tadpole for the Goliath frog and that would be a reasonable assumption. But this is actually the tadpole for a bullfrog and bullfrogs do actually get to be quite big. So it's like not like too unusual for there to be a larger tadpole. But this tadpole is Unique. This is the unicorn of tadpoles. This is the biggest tadpole ever discovered. This is a tadpole named Dart, who is a unusually large bullfrog tadpole, unusually large tadpole in general, just like should not be this big. It was discovered by research ecologists in Arizona. The tadpole was 10 inches or over 25 centimeters long. This is even larger than most adult bullfrogs. So this tadpole is an extreme outlier. Like other record-breaking large tadpoles, it may actually never mature into adulthood, which signals that it has extremely atypical hormones. And this is called neoteny in like where it's like you retain your juvenile characteristics throughout your whole life. And in some amphibious species, like in species of salamanders, uh, neoteny is, is common and it's like a normal part of the species life. So axolotls are actually juvenile salamander that just like maintain their juvenile characteristics their whole life, uh, for, through their whole life cycle. The, the men of, uh, animals, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Don't cancel me, men. <laughs> but so for this tadpole, it's really interesting because this is obviously an outlier. This is a mutation, but it does kind of give you a little bit of a sense of like how the, these like this neoteny can evolve in other species of amphibians where you just like this tadpole just like decided not to become an adult and just become a bigger and bigger tadpole. Don't worry about this, this big chonky boy. Like he's being kept safe by ecologists who are curious to see how long he lives and how big he gets. Uh, so he is... Uh, being probably one of the luckiest tadpoles, just like getting to live the cushy life, uh, just being enormous and eating all the time. God, I mean, I, I am ge like genuinely jealous of, of these animals in this episode, just getting to... All, all vibes, no thoughts. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Just chilling and eating. I know. And, and it's like... It just gets to be a big baby its whole life, and scientists are thrilled. Incredible. And they even let it drink beer. No, I'm kidding, but there is a photo of it being held up next to a Coors can to show how massive it is. Like I don't like that Coors picture because it looks like they're squeezing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, all of these pictures, I'm like, leave them alone. <laughs> I don't know why. I want to see the pictures. Mm -hmm. I like seeing the pictures. Right. But I'm also like, put them down. Yeah, I don't Un actually think unhand that them. <laughs> I don't actually think it's being squeezed. I think it's just so chunky that like yeah, the gravity of it being gently held, it's just like spilling over the researcher's yeah, yeah. fingers. It's just all in my head, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I I feel it. Yeah, just like leave them alone. <laughs> leave these tad giant tadpoles alone. 
Yeah, but Dart Dart is is probably living the high life, being just, you know, got its got its beer and it's uh and it's banana recliner and it's banana, <laughs> banana. That was also uh, I guess for scale. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that they gave it the beer and banana afterwards. Like you did a good job during just the like photo show. Shop, just chill it. now. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't feed beer to tadpoles, guys. We have had too many disclaimers for this to be a responsible episode. I know. <laughs> don't just overall disclaimer. Never listen to anything I say. There we go. Legally no. indemnified. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, I want to end with a listener email actually in response to a recent episode where we talked about sawfish which is a type of ray that actually looks like it's got a saw for a nose and it's really cool and it's not a nose it's actually a rostrum so like that this like a uh, pointy bit that comes off of the front of a fish um so this is the email Hi, your discussion on today's episode about sawfish reminded me of a museum piece I saw when I visited Berlin in 2019. It's a sword made from a sawfish rostrum. I forget what year it's from, but it was in the medieval Renaissance section at the Deutsches Historisches Museum in Berlin. Love the show. Thank you, Neil Miller. Uh, thank you so much for your email, Neil. I had no idea that people made sawfish swords, uh, but it I guess it makes total sense like it, that humans would do that. We see an animal that looks like it's got a got a chainsaw for an, uh, a nose, and then we turn swords into it. We see a weapon, we make a weapon. That's <laughs> us. The arms. That is us. Standoff. <laughs> I doubt these were ever used as actual weapons. They don't look super practical. Oh, good. So we just made it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, just for fun. Maybe it was after. Maybe it was after one died. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Hopefully. say that. One would hope. I wouldn't guarantee it, but one would hope. <laughs> uh, it, it's probably made out of the uh, cartilage skeleton left behind from a dead sawfish's rostrum. So uh, sharks and rays, like, they actually don't have um, bones like humans do. They have cartilage. And we actually do have cartilage, like, in our nose and in our ears. But in, in sharks and rays, the cartilage is very hard and bone-like. Uh, so... It, it can, it, that's like when they leave behind these skeletons. It's actually a very, very hard cartilage. And so that's what this is made out of, a, a hard cartilage left behind their rostrum, which is this like long protrusion that looks like a chainsaw with teeth on it. Those pointy bits are actually not teeth, they're denticles. But we talked about that in last week's episode, the nose nose. Uh, nose as in the face nose. And yeah, I, I did some research on the, these swords. It looks like this particular sword that uh, Neil sent in was made in the late 16th century and was never used as an actual weapon, but as like a rich person novelty. Um, but more recently, actually in uh, West Australia, a guy was arrested after being seen brandishing a sword. Uh, and apparently it was handmade out of a sawfish rostrum with a wooden and leather-wrapped hilt. And allegedly, he attacked a police officer with it, but I'm pretty sure uh, Australian police probably just arrested Aquaman, who was trying to save the world <laughs> from some evil octopus. And they're like, all right, all right, we're bringing you in. It's like, no, I'm... But I am saving the world. Listen, my kingdom under sea, I, I have... The, the evil Dr. Octopus is trying to take over the land, and I have come, and they just arrest him. And, you know, that's is how it is. Dr. Octopus and Aquaman villain? I thought that was a 
Spider-Man. Pullaby, I don't know. I don't know these things. Like, I'm sure there's an evil... I'm sure that that Aquaman has... Like, at least sort of a a rude octopus, right? Like, maybe not an evil octopus, but a rude one. Just like a squid that's inked him every once in a while. (laughs) Like, in passing. Just kind of a kind of a snippy squid. You got so tired. You were like, I'm gonna get nerd emails about this. I don't know. Actually, when you look into the backstory of Aquaman, it makes no sense that he would fight octopuses because his dad was half octopus. Oh man. You're, just, you're, you're bringing him in now. What have you done? You've opened a door that can't be closed. <laughs> Next week on uh, Fantastical Villains of the Octopus Kingdom. <laughs> Next week, an apology episode to all the Marvel fans. It's just going to be a notes app apology. Look for it on Twitter. Is Aquaman Marvel? No, he's DC, right? Yeah, yeah he's DC. I'm sorry. Next, next week, an apology episode to all the DC fans. <laughs> But I think I think we've done it. I think we've looked at animals that should be small, but hey, they're big and muscular, and they definitely work out at the gym, and uh, you should be intimidated by them. Thank you so much for joining me, Pulavi. Do you have anything to plug in? Where can people find you? Um, I'm at Pulavi Ganalan, P-A-L-L-A-V-I-G-U-N-A-L-A-N, everywhere. And I have um, something that you might like. It's a webcomic, and it's called Imposter Bear, spelled with two O's, I-M-P-O-S-T-O-R, Bear. And it's on Twitter, and it's on Instagram and Facebook. And it's a webcomic featuring uh, all sorts of bears. Yeah. uh, Animal things. And it's uh, sad and funny, just like me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I do it with uh, my friend uh, at Relatable Doodle. Uh, So she and I work on that together. She does the drawing, and then I say the sad words usually. Very Um, cute, funny, and and sad. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely check that out. I think you guys would like that. and, of course, you can find the show on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That is something very different. Uh, and you can find me. I'm Katie Golden. K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N, not E-N. I spelled my name wrong. We got it wrong. Oops. And if you have a listener email that you want to send in with, Cool pictures of weird swords made out of dead animals that don't don't kill any animals, though, to make the weapons. Uh, you can send it to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show and you leave a rating or review, I read all of the reviews, and they make me so happy, and I really appreciate that. Uh, thanks to the Space Classics for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, 
The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.